Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way, and we should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is episode 308 of the podcast, obviously, here you are, (laughs) and I have a fantastic guest to share with you today. Erin Weideman is my guest. She's a five-time cancer survivor. She lives in San Diego, homeschools her daughter, Rooney, and she's going to talk about that life experience of dealing with cancer five different times and how she envisioned what her family might look like someday given her different fertility issues related to the cancer. So she's just an extraordinary mom, and I cannot wait for you to hear more about her journey. So let's get to my conversation with Erin. All right, I'm so excited to be chatting with Erin Weideman today. Hi, Erin. Hi, Jessica. Excited to be here. Yes, we were just bonding over the fact that we're both San Diego, Southern California girls. <laughs> Love it here. Oh. I, I moved away for college and then had to move right back. It was too cold. <laughs> I know. Where did you go to college? I went to Penn State on a softball scholarship and got there and was like, oh, I love softball, but I don't love this weather so much. That is a rude awakening for sure. We've lived a couple yeah. cold places, Michigan, Utah, Virginia, and yeah, the, the shoveling snow is a rude awakening. That's that's the truth. Yeah, trying to walk to school and falling in it, you know, and yeah. slipping on black ice and all of that stuff, trying to play in eight degrees, and yeah. <laughs> that was quite an adventure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I am so excited to be chatting with you today. We're going to cover a lot of timely topics given the recent pandemic and the change in schooling and the potential changes in schooling and things, but also, I cannot believe your health background and everything like that. So there's just there's just so much we're going to talk about today. And so just thanks for being here. Oh, I'm excited. Thanks so much. This, this pandemic, the quarantine situation at our house has been quite the adventure. So whatever I can do to help and support the moms that are listening, I'm all, all about it. Perfect. Okay, so for people that don't know you yet, Erin, will you just give a little background on yourself and your family? Yeah, I grew up in Orange, California. I've been married to my husband, Brent, for 10 years. We live here in Encinitas, which is a little beach town uh, in North County, San Diego. We have one daughter named Rooney. She's six years old, just finished kindergarten. And we have a baby girl on the way due in August. So we're really excited. Um, we are entrepreneurs. We work and um, do school full-time from home. So we And we work together on the business. We're like a mighty husband and wife team who's <laughs> trying to balance all these things. So life has been certainly a a grand adventure for us. Oh, that's awesome. Well, congratulations on the baby coming. This is so exciting. Thank you. I know it's our first baby was such a miracle because I've had, I've had some medical issues and cancer diagnoses like in my twenties and thirties. So we never expected to be parents. So when we uh, were blessed with our first daughter, we were so excited and it came out of nowhere. And now we get to walk through the whole like miraculous process with her again, having the second baby. So it's just, it's been so cool. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. So let's go back to that time where you're young, you're vibrant. Had you had any health issues prior to that initial cancer diagnosis? Tell me about that time. No, I mean, I had, I had a great, you know, upbringing and never broke a bone. I had a great softball career at Penn State. I you know graduated and entered the working world and was just kind of doing the young adult thing. And then at 26, you know, I had felt a lump years prior in my neck that was about the size of the tip of my finger. So it wasn't really concerning to me, but I finally went to get it checked out by a doctor at 26. And I remember sitting in the office 
And he gave me like a quick exam. And then he just stopped after like 30 seconds and put his hands on my hands. And he said, Aaron, you have, you have cancer. I'm positive. I can feel it all over, you know, your neck and, and underneath your collarbone, there's some lumps and things I'm feeling. And so I went from, Oh, I'm a healthy, you know, young adult and working my way up in the career that I wanted. And it was just, it was a violent shock for me to be told that at 26 and then to go from, you know, I had everything figured out to, I've got to reorganize everything, you know, go out on disability, stop working, have a bunch of surgeries and do treatments. And I went from, you know, I've got everything handled to, gosh, nothing's in my control. Like, what do I do? Yeah. What was your main fear at that time? Were you given hope that this is treatable and it would just be, you know, kind of a long recovery or was it really a face to face with your mortality? Yeah. So it was both of those things. And my mom was in the appointments with me. I'm so grateful for just her leadership and her support during that time. And she continues to be that for me. Uh, But we, I mean, she was sitting in there and what she heard the doctor say was, this is treatable. This is curable. It has a good survival rate. But what I heard him say was, we didn't catch it early. You know, um, I'm going to give you a 10 year life expectancy. And so I went, gosh, I'm 26 years old. Like I don't want to live 10 years. I want to live a full and happy and exciting life and do all the things that I feel I excited to do and go have adventures and all the ways that I wanted to, to step fully into life and be really excited about experiences and just making life full didn't feel possible when he started saying things like, well, we didn't catch it early and it's, it's so extensive. It's, it's in all of the lymph nodes in your neck, your head, your chest, it's in your brainstem. And all those things were so incredibly scary. And I had no context for, you know, how serious it was, but then also, there's my mom on the other side going, no, there, there is a treatment. There is a path. So it was, it was something I couldn't see, but I was so grateful for her, her mentoring me during that time. Cause she worked in medicine and she could sort of steer me in the right direction. Oh, that's really helpful to have somebody that can advocate for you and, and kind of decipher that language. Because for a lot of people, whether it's for themselves or for a child, when you're thrown into a medical diagnosis, that's going to cause you to need to advocate for yourself, make decisions, process new information. Like this is a whole new world. Like you didn't go to school to be a nurse or to be a doctor, right? And so to have to learn all these things and hopefully make the best decisions for yourself, that's a—that's an additional burden, additional to the physical. And even to know what questions to ask, yes. right? Like my mom, she works for an eye doctor and has for many years, but she, you know, she was in the appointments, like she would come in with a tape recorder and I was like, why do we need that? Because I felt so overly emotional, you know, listening to the doctor and going, oh my gosh, this affects me so deeply. It was hard to even process all of the things he was saying and how to make good decisions. So it was really helpful to have somebody there who was objective, who was, you know, coming from like the standpoint of, okay, let's be calm. Let's, let's understand exactly what they're saying and get, get a path to treatment. That's going to make sense for me. Hey everyone wanted to jump in and thank a show sponsor that makes this podcast possible. And that is little passports. So do you ever struggle with finding toys for your little one where you think, that they're cool, but you also want to educate them at least a little bit, right? Well, the best of both worlds comes in the Little Passports subscription box that is full of toys and games for children of all ages that both educates and entertains. This box is delivered right to your door every month, and each package contains exciting hands-on learning for kids ages three and up. 
especially as we're trying to enhance our kids' home learning during the quarantine. This is so fantastic. My kids did a box all about different types of seals and they learned about them and their habitats and then they made a craft and with a little motor. It was just the cutest thing and I love that all the supplies were in the box. We didn't need to get out all the extra craft supplies you do with some other boxes, right? So this little passport subscription box is award-winning and has parent-tested, parent-approved seal. For $12.95 per month, that's it. There's tons to explore right from your own home. And just for our listeners, Little Passports is offering 15% off the price of any subscription. That means your child could be flying rockets or looking through the microscope in no time. Use offer code EEP at checkout for 15% off your order. That's EEP at littlepassports.com. Thank you so much to Little Passports for sponsoring the show. And I don't know about you, but as a mom myself, I have three, three boys, and I just want to help them to have the easiest, happiest life possible. Like that's sometimes like what we think is the best for them, right? But then life inevitably comes at them. And so sometimes it's, you know, choices we bring on ourselves or challenges we walk into, but then there's times where it's like, you get that diagnosis that you never saw coming and you want your kids to grow up to be equipped to handle those things, right? And so growing up as we're guiding our children, I think it is important to not just wrap them in bubble wrap and and keep them immune from hearing about, you know, challenges or or hard things or even scary things sometimes. It's important for them to like live their life because inevitably we're all going to go through things like this where it's like you want to feel like you're strong enough and and equipped to handle the unexpected. Yeah, and you want to prepare them for I mean as much as you can, right? And we all love our kids and we want them to feel confident to tackle life's challenges and yes, get the right equipment and the tools to be successful, right? We want them to be emotionally intelligent. And part of that means being honest with them. Like I remember sitting, even when my daughter was itty bitty, you know, wondering and thinking about, okay, when she asked me, you know, when she's old enough to talk to me and she asked about the scar on my neck or the times I had surgery or the treatments I went through or being in quarantine and crying and, um, you know, and having really dark and scary moments, but coming out the other side and what that did for me, you know, we're going to have those conversations in like a, an age appropriate way and, and a way that's appropriate for her, for where she's at in her stage and age. Mm-hmm. But um, certainly it's something that we are going to talk about, right? We don't want to shield our kids from any pain or any suffering. And they can learn a lot by hearing about our experiential learning and the context that we use to apply, you know, lessons and themes and things we've, we've learned along the way. 100%. And we really are modeling for them what it, what grit and what determination and what patience looks like. You know, and that can be in a context like what we're living right now. It can be through a context of a really hard diagnosis like cancer. It could simply be struggling with moving to a new place and feeling lonely and not having friends, right? We're teaching our kids how to get through a myriad of situations and problem solve and handle disappointment. And as we do that ourselves, even without explicitly teaching them with our words, we're showing them how to process and how to keep going and how to keep getting up. Yeah, you're so right. And I think I, I, what I've really been learning as far as, you know, as she's grown and is thinking about even just this new baby and how, you know, the dynamics will change and, and things will get a little bit different as our family changes and grows. Um, I think it's important to invite your children along on that and help them understand like the partnership between 
being vulnerable, being open and honest, but also having grit, having perseverance. Like we want to be open and forthcoming about the things we're experiencing, the hard things we're going through, but we don't sit in the heart of that paralyzed by fear and worry and anxiety. There's actually a pathway that we can use to move through those feelings and get to a place where, where, where we persist and we, you know, get through it and we people to come alongside us to support us. So there's all these different ways that I don't know that like, I just think a lot about that relationship between yes, be vulnerable. Yes. Be honest. Don't try to carry these burdens on your own. And at the same time, what are the strategies and tools you can use to move yourself through that hard problem, that pain, that suffering to get to the other side, to growth and development and where, you know, where we really improve as people. Yeah. And, and the person that emerges on the other side of those types of life events it's a different person, but I mean, you couldn't have achieved that version any other way, right? No, I mean, nice aren't you a different, different person? And yeah. I, I am such a walking testament of that. I was, yeah. I mean, at 26, living fast, living selfishly, trying to, you know, like money and, and things yeah. were my ultimate goal. I thought, you know, at 25, if I can buy a house by the time I'm 25, unmarried and a woman, that's going to be like a really impressive goal. I just, I, I missed my identity um, by sort of investing in the things of this world wow. versus, you know, some of those intangible things and character that only this cancer journey was able to teach me. And it, I always call it a violent shove into reality for me, but it really was the, the event in my life that was the most transformative. It worked me over the most and really changed me as a person. Yeah. And then you picture yourself back in that doctor's office during that, that first feeling of, of the nodules and into your collarbone and, and you get this news and it's just like, wow, to, to go from that person in that moment to today, how old are you today? Oh, 39. 39. So <laughs> you've sur- so long. Yeah. yeah. So you've surpassed that. And you went on to beat cancer five times. Is that, is that right? Yeah, it, can, it continued to come back. So oh, I basically would do, you know, the surgery, the treatment, the quarantine, you know, the radiation or even radioactive iodine is what you have to do for the type of cancer I had. Wow. And we'd get about nine to 12 months out of all of those treatments. I'd have another scan and they'd say, okay, it's resurfaced somewhere. We need to start the process all over again. So it was basically just diagnosis over diagnosis five separate times every year or so. And I met my husband right in the middle of all of that. And he was like really excited about starting a dating relationship and, and, you know, supporting me. And I was like, Oh, who is this guy? Like, why this, what a terrible time to meet someone and be so excited about a new relationship. And I was so, you know, on guard the entire yeah. time. Cause I'm looking at it going, gosh, this just continues to come back and back and back. Like there is no hope. There is no future. Let's get realistic about what life is going to look like and protect him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up being the one that was wrong because I, I've, you know, I've, I'm healed seven years. You know, we've been able to start a family and have a thriving marriage that, you know, isn't without its challenges. But we, we've been able to start a family and grow. And it's just it's been so cool to see how you can sort of box your situation in and go, nope, it's going to be this. And I, I know what's going to happen because I can perceive and I can guess and I can use my female intuition to just arrive at what I think is going to happen. And it can be totally wrong. I have a friend who has muscular dystrophy and when she met her now husband years and years ago and, you know, she's, you know, walking with a limp and she knew it progressed to the point of being wheelchair bound and everything like that. And she told him like, 
do you know what this life will look like with me? Like, I don't know how long I'm going to live. I don't know what my ability level is going to be. Like, things like that. And he's just like. Oh, I did that. Okay, I definitely okay, did that. Right. <laughs> he, was and, like, he was not having any of it. He was see? like, no, no, I, I'm very sure. I've been waiting. I've been, you know, I've dated girls. And I know it's you. And I can't explain it. But I can see this vision and our, and our future. Wow. And you just need to lean into what what I'm experiencing and I'm going to show you and I'm going to lead you through this. And I'm, you have to let me come alongside you. And it was a real surrender on my part as somebody who felt so in control, you know, so powerful, so independent. I don't need anybody's help until I hit that season of struggle going, gosh, I don't, I never learned how to lean on people. Hmm. I never learned how to, how to let people in and walk alongside me as I was going through hard things. I just thought you're supposed to do these things by yourself. And it really speaks to how much we project our own insecurities and our own defensiveness against what we think people are going to think of us. But really, we have to let people think for themselves. And we're wasting so much mental energy when we do that projection thing, right? And push people away. Oh, and we're wrong. I mean, my husband, yes. like, in the nicest way, likes to remind me. And he's put up, like, pictures of moments where we've had, you know, different conversations um, about how what I thought was going to happen wasn't actually the case. And you you really need to lay down the fact that you've got these preconceived notions and that you've arrived at what you think your future is going to look like because you life is a grand adventure. And when you invite people in and when you're letting people shoulder your burdens with you and you're, you know, relational in the process and you're open and you're honest. And this is, I mean, this is really the human experience that we were all designed to have was to do this in step with each other mm-hmm. and to not be isolated, to not be alone in, in walking life or making these decisions. So I'm super grateful for his leadership and just that early season of, you know, wanting to come to the doctor with me and wow. sit in the waiting room with my mom doing puzzles when nobody else would have given me the time of day. It was just a weird time for me, but he showed me so much. Yeah. What a good guy. What a good guy you have there. Best. Amazing. So another fear that you had was having a family. And in prior to cancer, was that something that you wanted and envisioned for your life was having children? No, I mean, I, I've always had a really special relationship with kids, but I never hmm. saw myself through the lens of mother. I, I was not that you know young girl that played with dolls or was really excited about mothering and taking care of people. I just knew, I mean, from the time I was small and, you know, got into my teen years, I would do things like tutor and, you know, I was a camp counselor for a really long time and I loved working with kids. I just had this special bond with them, but that never crossed over into, oh, I'll have a family and I'll be a mom. And I had a lot of um, fear around my ability to mother well. Hmm. especially you know, being so insecure as a young person and struggling with things like comparison and just not feeling, not feeling confident in the person I was made to be. Um, you know, I, I let fear and worry and anxiety really dictate a lot of my decision-making. And, and I, I think, you know, as I grew, I just went, gosh, I'm not, I'm not going to have the right equipment, the right tools, the right experience to be the mother any child needs. So once I got sick, it was like, oh, I, I'll just lay that part of my life down. Mm. And the small, you know, maybe window or stretch of the imagination I could, that I could think I might be a mom, I'll just, I'll let that die. So oh. I, when I met my husband, it was like, oh, I won't be a mom. Like, I'm not going to be around long enough. I'm not, I, I don't have the equipment anyway. Um, and then, you know, a couple of years after we got married, I started getting great scans, you know, you're cancer free. And then I, I looked at him and I said, gosh, maybe 
we're getting like a little window to try to have a baby. And we were, we went on a trip, you know, we, we didn't take a honeymoon trip because we went to the Mayo Clinic instead right after we got married. Glamorous. And I had to have a surgery. And so we finally took this amazing honeymoon trip, got home, we're pregnant right away. And it was just, it was the sweetest surprise. Um, But yeah, I definitely struggled even in that early pregnancy season of like, oh my gosh, this baby's coming. I don't know what to do. I'm not, I haven't planned for this. This is not in my life's plan. I didn't expect all this. Um, And I really wrestled with that. Yeah, and I think the sentiment of feeling inadequate and like you don't know what you're doing as a mom is quite common. Like I think that's pretty universal to varying degrees. But to really flip the switch from I don't think I can actually be a good mom and I'm not that person to doing it. Like how how did you start believing in yourself as a mom when you had to change your thinking so drastically? Such a good question. So I, once I got sick, I was still doing treatment and I thought, okay, the prognosis isn't good. I'm not going to be around that long. What should I be doing with my life? And I just felt this wrenching in my soul for that relationship that I talked about a second ago with children. I thought if I can spend the rest of the time that I have pouring into them, mentoring them, you know, in the classroom, let me, let me get into the classroom. Let me become a teacher and I will spend every day with kids you know, working to help them and coming alongside them in a positive way. I thought that will bring meaning to my life. It'll be a good way to usher myself out of my worldly existence. So I went back to school, became a teacher and spent the next eight years in the classroom. I mean, among many more diagnoses, getting married and then being healed. So the more time I spent with kids before I actually became a mom, the more I realized, gosh, I'm getting training to do this. I'm spending time with them. I'm getting all this experiential learning. I'm talking with parents. I'm talking with their coaches. I'm coaching them myself. I, I, I can do this. I have developed some of the tools and skills and thought processes necessary to at least approach parenting with grace, with um, you know discernment, with common sense, with you know problem solving skills, communication skills, like things that I learned as a teacher. Um, really served me, I think, in that early season of, okay, now you're becoming a mom. You're going to mother this little life. You're going to nurture and develop her, and it's your job to lead and influence her and teach her and and grow her and do all the things that we do as moms. And so I think becoming a teacher and spending so much time with kids really gave me the confidence that I needed to look at myself and go, yes, I grew through all these hard things. I'm a different person now. Cancer's really changed me. It's transformed my heart and mind in so many ways. How could I now apply that, what I've already been applying in the classroom for many, many years, to this one-on-one relationship with a, a new son or daughter? So I think that that you know that shift in career and that change in lifestyle and life in general uh, really helped me gain confidence and gain what I needed to to at least start off and say, you know what, I can do this. This this child was given to me for a reason, and I can parent her effectively. That is so interesting, Erin. Gosh, that is, wow. And the fact that you never started out thinking I'm going to be a teacher, you liked children and everything, but the fact that that was kind of an afterthought and then the next plan B, it just shows like you never know what's right around the corner. And a lot of us as moms, if we like choose to be a stay-at-home mom or we leave a career that we had and we're not sure what to do next or whatever it is, sometimes we worry about what that next season is or we feel like our time is limited you know, and so all these years spent at home or in a job we don't like or whatever is 
wasting away our life, right? But oftentimes it's building the skill set for the next thing. And you may not have even envisioned that next thing, right, from where you stand today. Oh, definitely not. And I mean, I didn't ever anticipate quitting my teaching job and starting a business that was girl focused, you know, related to, you know, things like developing her confidence and her beauty and her identity and walking in purpose and making a difference and all the things our business is oriented around has so much to do with our parenting, my struggles as a young girl, what I saw as a teacher. So it's all sort of intertwined. And now, you know, having to pivot and do different things, not just after the cancer stuff, but later on, you know, in teaching going, gosh, we're, we're hitting a moment now where we started this little business and Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it needs me. It needs a voice. It needs a mom. It needs somebody who's moving this movement forward. Mm -hmm. Um, I've really gone through a lot of different transformative seasons where, okay, once you get a handle on it, things feel comfortable. You're in a groove. That's when sort of things get changed (laughs) abruptly sometimes. So you've got to be flexible. I think. And, and as moms, like, aren't we, aren't we all learning to be flexible? Right. And once we get comfortable with something and even right down to, you know, when our kids learn to sleep through the night or, um, you know, they're getting their potty training and all the way up through each, each and every age and stage, once we get comfortable, that's really when I feel like things take a left or a right turn and we need to, need to pivot. We need to figure out how to be flexible and take the next challenge as it comes. Yes. I think adaptability is really a mother's superpower right? When you just accept that things are never going to stay the same, you can't, you know, predict somebody else's behavior and how it's going to impact them or the family or things like that. Like you're not in charge of these outcomes. So when you're able to be adaptable in general, but especially as a mom, you can just find so much more peace with where you're at, even if things aren't, you know, going perfectly smoothly. Oh, definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's at least been true in my journey. I mean, I've watched, and I, I think it's a good lesson for our kids to see that, right? Like, yeah. we, we know that life is going to hand us twists and turns. We know we're going to plan for things, and the plan's going to change, sometimes in a small way, sometimes in a big way. And those, just because something gets different doesn't mean it's not good. Yeah. And I, I think teaching our kids that different isn't bad. Different can often be better than what we had planned, what we expected, what we thought was going to be the case. Um, those are the real blessings. Hey everyone, how much are you loving my conversation with Erin? She is truly extraordinary. But I did want to thank another show sponsor, and that is Little Spoon. Have you guys heard about Little Spoon? Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Did you know that what a child eats in their first years of life is literally critical to their healthy development? 65% of the nutrients babies consume in their first two years go straight to the baby's growing brain, bones, muscles, eyesight, digestion, you name it. And so what you're feeding your baby really does matter. And Little Spoon wanted to make taking care of your baby's mealtime easy. They are an incredible baby food company that deliver 100% USDA certified organic, non-GMO, project verified baby food and clean vitamins directly to your door free of any preservatives or additives. Little Spoon's baby food is always made in small batches so you're basically getting super high quality homemade food and it uses over 100 USDA certified organic ingredients in a rotating menu of flavors and textures. So you're not just feeding the same thing over and over to your baby and as much as you might want to make homemade baby food for your baby, you're busy and so let Little Spoon do it for you. And the best part is everything ships directly to your door and doesn't break the bank. It's literally $3 or less per meal. 
So no more worrying about what's in your baby's food. Let Little Spoon take one thing off your very big parenting to-do list and cover mealtime with their fresh organic blends. Get $15 off of your first three orders at littlespoon.com slash E-E-P. That's littlespoon.com slash E-E-P. Little Spoon actually sent me a bunch of flavors to try, and while I don't have an infant in my home, I gave it to my neighbor who has an infant, and they really appreciated the quality and the flavors and just the simplicity of knowing that they're providing great, healthy food for their baby, and I'm just so impressed with the quality of Little Spoon baby food. So thanks so much to Little Spoon for sponsoring the show. Now let's get back to it with Erin. I'm a former elementary school teacher um, as well, and and teaching is a real passion of mine. And my husband and I were having an interesting conversation the other day because I was talking about how, you know, if things change in the school system and I end up being my kid's teacher and whatnot, I just said, I'm really going to miss, you know, teachers and other adults pouring into my kids as much because we've all can think back on teachers that we've had that really impacted us for our whole life and their belief in us and their you know, way of teaching or whatever it was, I mean, it sticks with you. And he said, but Jessica, like, think about a teacher's one year to impact a child and how much that can stick with them. Like a mother's impact, while it may not be as readily recognized because it's just so constant through the years and kids don't often give you the credit that it is due as a mom, like you have that same power and influence and impact times a thousand because you're with them all the time and like a good mom a good strong mom that's committed to you know the best bringing out the best in their child and teaching their child and loving their child that's just infinite beyond measure and I just that really gave me a vote of confidence as we're going into this time of maybe transitioning yeah it makes you think more about it being an opportunity and not like putting so much pressure on yourself and going, Oh, I have to do all of this in a certain amount of time. Like we really do have our kids for this journey of many different stages, many different seasons, you know, some of them good when we're in a good swing and it feels like a good rhythm. And then others that that our kids are going to really struggle or we might be struggling or both might be struggling at the same time. But yeah, what you hit it when you said, um, that we, that we do have an opportunity over time. And you think about the, the level of impact, a mom can have versus just, you know, being in the classroom with them for a school season and seeing them maybe one period a day yeah. or even in element, elementary all day. Um, yeah. When you think about what moms have in, in terms of time and the investment they can make uh, relationally, I think yes. too, because we can bond with our kids in so many ways that like surpass just the academic portion of what they're doing in school. And yes, they bond with teachers, but gosh, it can be so powerful when we, when we learn to do it as moms or when we purpose to do it as moms in a way that's going to be meaningful for our kids and for us. Yeah. So I hope anybody listening just pauses to give themselves a little bit of credit right now. Like just remember what you're doing and how meaningful and impactful. And it may not seem super meaningful when you're doing the dishes for the 50th time during the day when your kids have been home with you all day, but it is, it, it really is. So you were a former teacher, as am I, and then you made the choice proactively to homeschool your daughter. And now many of us are on the cusp of maybe making that same choice, especially if you're in California. Oh, what do you think of these CDC guidelines? Please. I mean, it's so, I, I, it's hard to read them and not smirk a little bit. It seems fake. You're thinking about your own classroom teaching experience going, how is this even going to work? Mm-hmm. Um, at least in our case, we chose to homeschool our daughter because our business takes us to travel quite a bit. Mm-hmm. 
And for a while after I quit my job, it was me traveling around and speaking and sharing and um, teaching all over the country, really. So I was doing that in the early season when Renew was really small by myself. And then we just hit a place in our business where we thought, gosh, we want to invest as a family. We already work at home together on the business. Like we both quit our jobs to work together, which um, creates honestly like the best blessings ever but also it's like it's a very real challenge so once you add homeschooling to the mix there's just a lot happening in our house that we had to monitor to maintain but we really saw it as an opportunity to craft and curate a schooling situation a family team situation at home a collaborative situation that was really going to serve our family well in its uniqueness and everything that people need as individuals And it hits all of our goals as a family when we think about what our family values are, what we're built to prioritize, the things we think are the most important things um, to approach our life and the way that we want to work in the world. So it's been cool to homeschool. I've had to let go of a lot of my own thoughts about how the classroom environment needs to be run. Um, You know, I taught Mm -hmm. mostly middle school and high school during my teaching career. So I, you know, I was looking at my sweet little kindergartner going, gosh, am I going to choose the right lessons? Like how long do we do school a day? Is she going to get this work done in three hours? And then we're going to have the rest of the day just stare at each other. Like, what does this mean? (laughs) Um, Do I have to stand in front of her and present material like I would with a classroom of 30 sixth graders? So all the answers to those questions are no. And it's whatever you think and whatever you want, which gives a lot of freedom and can create a lot of excitement. But sometimes too much choice creates a lot of anxiety and nervousness for moms we know. Um, so it's good to just have a plan. Uh, but I've learned a lot in our homeschool journey doing it for the first time with all the things I know about being a teacher and creating just a hybrid situation at home that totally works for us. Yeah. And I think the most important thing is if you are looking to transition into whether it's, you know, traditional homeschooling, charter, whatever it is, realizing you are doing this for the first time. And so there is going to be a learning curve, but there's lots of people that have gone before you, that can support you, can answer those questions. And just because a charter school boasts of their 2,000 vendors, it doesn't mean you actually need to know about all 2,000 vendors, <laughs> right? That is not, that's not necessarily like reassuring to me. I just kind of want like three choices. <laughs> yes, please. Like, and, and I think too, I, and even in the early season of like choosing curriculum, like I'm so grateful for the, the people that you just mentioned, the people that have been doing this a little bit longer, like find those people. Right. Ask them questions, see what they use. I mean, I let you, you know, get to Google and you look at the vast ocean of the internet in terms of like what lessons, what units, what do I, am I enrolling them in a charter school? Am I not doing that? Are we doing a co-op? What are we doing? And we, you know, we pieced together fragmentedly uh, a situation for kindergarten that worked for her, focused on math and reading and, um, you know, building those foundational skills. And then the rest of the time was a lot of play. It was a lot of fun. We joined a co-op. We you know, she does extracurriculars like like karate and jump rope class and pottery and Spanish, just kind of a la carte because we, we, you know, are going through charter school. So it just worked for us to do kindergarten in a way that was like, okay, it's not as formal. It's not as like, you know, let's just purchase these two curricula and work on everything and sit at the table every day. It's definitely not that. It can be that if that's what you need it to be and that's what your kids need. Um, but I think that's what I love about homeschooling so much is you can make it what they need. And you're not having to serve, you know, 20, 30, 40 kids at a time. It's just you with your children, you know, and and who knows them better than you do? Who loves them better than you do? It's so cool to be able to look at these sweet 
human beings, we've been called to raise and add another layer of training, of development, um, you know, to, and to approach it academically is exciting. And we don't have to be experts. We just have to be invested in them, which we are. Oh, I love that so much. And personally, as somebody who never considered homeschooling for my children, again, I have three boys. These are boys that are social, that need to be outside, running around, playing. And the quarantine has made that very, very difficult. So not only are we in this crisis learning time, but also they're deprived of their friends and many of the activities like soccer and things like this that normally help them to feel like themselves. Right, and so as we're re-envisioning what education might look like in the fall, hopefully it won't look entirely like this crisis learning that we've been doing the past couple months. No, I think a lot of us, I mean, even too, the people that are, I mean, like me, who are a part of the homeschool situation, yeah. it's not like things didn't change for us. Yeah. We, you know, we're, we've all spent time in isolation. We've all been quarantined. Lots of things have been canceled, play dates and co-ops and all sorts of events outside your home where your kids can be, be themselves and can relate with their friends and socialize and do all the things that you know they need for a rich experience that extends way past the academic stuff, right? Yes. So we're all sort of grieving yes. that time. We're grieving our friendship. We're, we're This is a, a period that has been filled with loss. Yes. Um, that we're, you know, we, we tried to double back a little bit ago, a couple months ago when this was all fresh and go, okay, we can, you know, anybody can operate from survival mode for a few weeks, but then short, shorter term, longer term, like what is this actually looking like? So we've enjoyed, um, you know, just coming alongside parents and I, I've enjoyed mentoring in the season and just, you know, having moms reach out and go, gosh, I, I know you were a teacher and now you're homeschooling. So what is this looking like for you? What do you guys do? And just having this conversation, making it safe for moms to ask questions, to be confused, to not feel like the internet is a scary place to find the solutions that they need. But when you're not a trained teacher and you're, you know, you're a mom at home going, gosh, I want to serve my kids in a good way, but I'm not really sure how. Um, it's so, so important to reach out to people who have been doing it, who, who can help you navigate this weird time if you're, you know, and, and as you think down the road, like who knows what school is going to look like? You just said it. When it opens back up, are all these weird rules going to be in place where it's going to feel like this weird foreign alien environment to them? How can we make it fun and enriching at home? Um, or if it becomes a hybrid thing? I mean, if there's so yeah. many questions up in the air right now, and I think, I think moms are looking for the answers. Yeah, and I think doing your due diligence right now can really mm. offer a lot of peace of mind. <laughs> you don't necessarily have to make. A definite decision right this second but just so you know charters and homeschool options they're filling up like there becomes a wait list because there's you know only a certain amount of educational specialists which is what they call their teachers and things so there there is some limitation and timeline but that being said you can also wait it out to see what's going to happen but at least be armed with the knowledge so you don't feel like you're scrambling in the last few minutes before school starts oh, definitely and i yeah. love that i mean we do have time right now you know yeah. we're we're all at home with our kids. There's more time to do lots of different things. Yeah. You know, you're finding that your kids, because they're not out, you know, they're trying to be outside. The weather's getting a little nicer, but the most part, we've got a lot of downtime yeah. and ourselves included. So I think if we can use this time to manage everybody a little bit, to get some good rhythms in place, even though this doesn't look like what we are used to it looking like now is a great time to invest in yourself, not just be pouring out constantly for your kids. What do they need? Are they good? You know, do they have, are they simulated? Do they have all the activities and things mm -hmm. set up that they need? Mm -hmm. But really, as moms, being able to invest in ourselves right now, if we don't know something or we need to reach out or we need to do some research about the situation that's going to be the best 
and most effective for each of our individual learners, like this is the time to do it. And there is a wealth of, you know, there's a sea of people again, who have been doing this longer, who know what they're doing, can answer your questions where you don't have to feel so victimized by, you know, every internet search that you do, you can actually just reach out to people, reach out to some organizations and go, okay, I've got these questions. Like who's on hand to help me. And we know like in mom, you know, in the, in the mom line of thinking, not one time does anybody ever reach out and I go, oh my gosh, this is so inconvenient. How dare this lady ask this question? Like we all want to be helpful. We yes. all want to, we all know that moms are out there and they've got questions. So like, no one's going to think that your questions are an inconvenience or annoying to them. So just ask the questions, like get plugged in and get exactly what you need. Well, and I think there is a stigma in the past for homeschooling like you you picture a certain type of child or a certain type of family and it's really once you dig into it you realize how ridiculous and outdated it is because really i've been sitting in on these like info sessions for different charter schools um and i just realize how detached i've been from my kids public school education and just relying on the default of what's provided for them when really the breadth of opportunity that my kids could be experiencing in their life that is sounds so much more fun, really. I mean, it definitely impacts my life in a way where I'm like, whoa, this is gonna look different next year. But when you think about the opportunity of like, yeah, we've been talking a lot about geography in different countries around the kitchen table. What if we added geography into their curriculum? You know, like what if we started working on Spanish as a family and you can get that curriculum? You know, when you're able to get excited about what what they're learning and they're excited about what they're learning and how they are learning it oh boy like I, th- I i just the pendulum starts to swing the other way for me totally and i yeah. think i i i've loved homeschooling because you can really like it, it's really created all these rich conversations for even rooney and i to have and she's only in kindergarten but yeah. to check in frequently and say what are the things that you want to learn about like what excites you as a learner as a human like you know, what types of science things do you want to learn about? What type, you know, what countries are you really interested in yeah. visiting? What do you know about the human experience that you want to know more about? And there are, there have been so many rich conversations. Like she and I yesterday, we just on a whim, like decided we wanted to learn about civil rights and Ruby Bridges and the Greensboro Four and all of these amazing, she asked me what, what they were doing sitting at the counter. And we talked all about a sit-in and what peaceful protests are and what it means to be civilly disobedient and stand up when someone is being treated unfairly and we don't just stand by. Um, but if we're agents for justice, like what that looks like, she's six. <laughs> like it's so it's so exciting to me as a mom to be able to have these conversations with her when just random questions come up and it's like, oh, we don't have to stick to like this concrete, rigid curriculum. If she wants to learn about something, she we we can find out together. And back to what I said earlier about being an expert, like it's okay if you're not an expert in social studies or geography, or you don't know where all the different countries are. Mm-hmm. It, one, one of the most amazing things you can do as your child's teacher is say, well, I don't know the answer to that question, but let's find out together because mm-hmm. you're going to show them like what a model for being a curious learner over time, over the course of your life means. It's not just, I arrive at this certain level of education. I'm a learner for life. And I think that's what's what I've enjoyed most about homeschooling is not, you know, doing lessons where I have all the answers and I feel really equipped to do it, but it's answering those questions that come up where it's like, gosh, I don't know, but yeah. let's find out. And right. then it creates all these neat conversations and rich experiences and just bonds you together with your kids. Absolutely. And this is memory making and it's just, you know, it's education disguised as memory <laughs> making, right? And, and fun even. And I love that. Alrighty, everybody. 
feeling like you can homeschool your kids yet? <laughs> Just kidding. But if you have other issues like eczema, let me tell you about our final show sponsor, and that is Cosmetology. You've heard me talk about it before. Dr. Janice Covey was a mom who had her baby diagnosed with eczema, and she felt frustrated by the options on the market. And so as a pharmacist, she decided to come up with her own line of products for her children. So they have different products, including a lotion bar and hand soaps. And right now, I just want to tell you about the amazing things about the lotion bar. Are you ready? Well, first of all, what is it? It's a lotion bar that is a solid moisturizer containing effective organic moisturizing ingredients like shea butter and olive oil. There's no water in it, which eliminates the need for alcohol and potentially hazardous preservatives and chemicals, which nobody wants to be using on your kids, but you kind of do by default, right? But the other thing that I love is that my kids are not gonna make a mess with it because it's a solid bar and you can travel with it. It's TSA approved, so whenever we get to leave the house again, you can take this lotion bar with you. Plus it comes in four great essential oil infused scents and their hand soaps are also infused with essential oils and so it's nourishing and sanitizing and all the things we want hand soap to be. So Cosmetology has a great offer for our listeners. For any first time purchasers, you receive 15% off. To get 15% off your first order, go to Cosmetology and use code EEP at checkout. That's K-O-S. M-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y dot com and use code E-E-P at checkout. Thanks so much to Cosmetology for sponsoring the show. Now let's finish up with Erin. You're a busy person. And so somebody listening might think, that sounds great. That sounds like the perfect thing for my child and for their education and a great response to, you know, the alternative of, you know, the CDC guidelines that are going to be enforced but I don't know if I'm good enough and I don't know if I have the time, right? Because I'm busy or I, or I work, you know, from home or work outside the home. Like, what do you tell those parents? Um, I tell those parents, don't panic, A. Okay. <laughs> and B, mm-hmm. with, the right, with the right approach and really, it's really about shifting your mindset. And as somebody who, I mean, is currently pregnant, works full-time from home and homeschools her child, like, it all can be done. Not that, not to say that you can have it all and it's going to be perfect because we, we pivot constantly. Every day looks different. You know, we have our family rhythms, our routine that works for us. But like just today, my morning got filled up. We normally do school in the morning. Now we're doing school from one to four today. Mm. It just, it, if you can see, if you can hold your homeschool situation, your home life situation with an open hand, understand that flexibility and adaptability, what you said earlier, is, is going to be a necessary, you know, those are necessary ingredients for an effective situation that balances the work stuff and the home stuff and the relationship and the family stuff. You can create something that's going to work well for your students, for you, for your spouse, for whoever is inside your family team in a way that, you know, helps them work together, that makes it a collaborative space that where everybody gets what they need. But it takes conversations. It takes investing Uh, time and effort into carving out and planning as a family. Okay. How are we, how can we best serve everyone's needs? How can I understand what everybody needs a and B what's the best way to serve those needs? So create, I mean, we've had no shortage of weekly check-in, you know, initial conversations about how to set up school at home, what it looks like, you know, filtering in things like work and family time and all of that. And I mean, for us, like the biggest game changer was not putting 
things on the calendar that have to do with work or school first, Mm -hmm. but actually putting family time and relationships and bonding time on the calendar first as a way to set our our home priorities Hmm. and then seeing where school fits in, then seeing where work fits in. And there really is time for everything, even though I know time is such a a shortage. It feels so short um, and it feels like such an issue for moms who are overwhelmed, who don't feel like they have time. But if you, there are a lot of different things you can do, not just to manage your time, but to really be a time leader Mm -hmm. um, and not feel so victimized by the clock and that, you know, you're scrambling at every turn trying to get everything done. There are some really serious foundations um, and forms that you can build into your calendar Hmm. that will make time for everything and give you also time to breathe. Okay. I love that. That is such an encouragement. I do think there's two camps. I think there's a camp of people that feel like there's never enough time. They're busy. They're booked. Like their, their schedule is, is full. Then there's other people, and like I felt this way occasionally during quarantine, like we have so many hours to fill, especially when like our options are limited for going out and and doing the things we would normally do. What do you say to people that feel like they have too much time and homeschooling would just create too many hours and too much opportunity for fighting among their kids? (laughs) So yes, what I would say is, and, and we in our house divide divide sort of time and forms on the calendar into three separate categories. So we have, you know, academic time for focused learning. We have rest and relaxation time where that's, you know, time devoted to give your brain and your body a break to reset before you go back to do, you know, something that you need to do that's academic or work related. And then we also have time uh, on the calendar designated to making contributions to your family's team. Hmm. And I think that's one thing that's revolutionized at least my struggle as a mom. And, and, you know, being home, you know, for more hours of the day and and what you said earlier about the dishes. Like, we only have three people in this house right now. We're about to have four. So I know, like, more dishes are coming. But even just watching the dishes pile up over and over again during the day, I'm I'm personally washing so many dishes during the day going – there's got to be a better way. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think when you invite your kids into the chore space and not make it like this is, you know, work I'm oppressing upon you as the as the leader of this family, but really invite them to understand that family means collaborative team unit and find out the things that your kids, even your youngest kids can make really effective contributions to your family's team mm-hmm. by serving, by doing things around the house, by cleaning up, by you know, fixing things that are broken by cleaning up a mess, but there are all sorts of things you can do. So the first thing we did and the first thing I tell parents to do, if they're overwhelmed in this season going, yes, there's a lot to do, but there is a lot of downtime, like get your kids involved in helping Mm -hmm. with your family's team. It doesn't mean you pass them down a list of chores to do every day, but maybe make a list of chores that would really bless you and then have them choose two per day, which two chores would you especially like to do Ah. that would bless me, that would serve our family you can pick any two from this list that you want. Wow. And give them the give them the choice. It will create so much more buy-in other than, you know, on, on the flip side, what we want to do as moms is, oh, we want you to help us. Like, here's this list of things that you need to do, and I need you to do them right now. Yep. You can reframe it in such a more, I don't know, in, in a way more positive way so that your kids go, oh, my gosh, I – you know, I, I can be respected and honored for the contribution I can make inside our family's team and inside our home, mm. you know, our space, that's our safe space. It's our place we want to take care of. We want to show respect. We want, we want people to, 
you know, and everyone to feel comfortable when they're here. And there are just things that everybody can do to contribute. That is so good. And providing options for kids that are win-win for you is another secret power that parents have. Because it's like if they're choosing two things off a list that needs to get done, great. Literally any two work. You do you, do you, and they feel like vacuuming sounds fun today, but cleaning the bathroom does not. And maybe bathroom sounds great one day for them. So I, I, I don't love know. Like my choice. daughter, her favorite thing is to clean the floor. And I'm like, you want to get on your hands and knees with a rag and clean the, like, clean the tiles? Thank you. Little orphan Annie. Perfect. I know. And it's Bless so you. great. <laughs> exactly. I love that, that team mentality. I think that is, that is so good. So I know that we should be wrapping up right now um, and people may have some questions at like, okay, well, what do I do next if some of this homeschooling is sounding good, especially just in response to what's going on? But I think if COVID-19 has taught me anything, it's that my norm is already disrupted, right? Sometimes we don't have the courage to step outside of our norm unless it's imposed upon us. Cancer disrupted your norm years ago. COVID-19 has disrupted everybody's norm and there's so much we cannot control but I feel like now that I'm learning more about education and what we can do with our family next year I'm feeling like I have more of the control back even when so much is still out of my control I just feel so much more peace and all I did to start researching some of my options was googling charter schools or homeschooling in my city I just Googled it and I saw it came up and there was about 15 charter schools that came up and charter schools are read through the public schools. You get funds for curriculum. Sometimes you can even rent the curriculum from the charter school for free and you don't even have to purchase that. And then you have extra funds. And we're talking like upwards of $2,000 per child to do activities like what you were saying, clay class and gardening and STEM classes and dance and music lessons. You can get those paid for to enhance their educational learning. So that's what I did was Google that. I know that you have a master class for parents about kind of how to navigate this. What is that master class and where can they find that if they want more information or what tips do you have for getting started? I think, I mean, getting started, like what you said, you want to research where you live and what is sort of available like by state. But I mean, for us, like we do the charter school thing. We, mm-hmm. we use the funds, we you know, pay for enriching experiences that are non-core curricular. So we do like core curriculum that we bought at home, you know, have a good rhythm around that and set some, you know, learning goals for each semester. And then now that she's like, we're done with kindergarten on Friday. So you can piece this together. It doesn't need to, it's not black and white is Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say. You can really make it the experience that your child, that each of your children specifically needs by doing a little research, asking around, but that's the, that's exactly the reason we created the mentorship series. It's called the Heroic Homeschooler. It's basically six weeks where it's videos, it's how-to guides, it's me teaching you the questions to ask, how to set up your family's rhythm, how to let go of some of the traditional school rules that you're used to, you know, sending your kids off to a classroom for eight hours a day and being taught by somebody else how to pair that back and go, okay, this is going to happen inside my home. What are some routines I can set up? How can I establish some behavioral expectations? How can I help my kids view me, not just as mom, but now as teacher, because that's not what they're used to. So how do I, how do I curate an at-home learning experience for my kids and me that's going to be effective for them? It's going to be helpful. It's going to help them be productive, but it's also going to maintain peace 
and maintain the unity of our family. I mean, that this is something that we want to prioritize. We don't want our kids to excel academically and have all of the other areas of their life, you know, be in shambles. We yes. want there to be a holistic approach to how we develop and grow our children. Yes, we want them to be academically successful, but there's a way to do that in home where you're in control, you're setting some good boundaries, you're inviting them in to help you make these decisions to create buy-in, to create enthusiasm. This is what gets kids excited and engaged in the learning process. So the mentorship series is called The Heroic Homeschooler. I, my and my team literally walk you through everything to answer all your questions. If you have curriculum questions, you know how to set all this stuff up, what to do at home, how to find out how, you know, I think that's the struggle for moms too, is like we hear things or we read things online and we go, oh my gosh, that sounds like such a cool homeschool situation, but that's not going to work for my family because X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So we've taken all the guesswork out of that. If you've got a unique family situation, you've got multiple learners or learners with special needs or, you know, extenuating circumstances and you're not sure how to navigate that, that's what the mentorship series is for. So it's been really fun to come alongside all these moms and dads and grandparents because a lot of grandparents are having to do this too while parents are working um, and just answer these questions. You know, parents have questions. And like I said, the vast ocean of the internet is intimidating. It's scary sometimes if you don't know where to live. So you just need a trained team of people to go, okay, here's my situation. What are some things I can think about? Do you have any strategies? What are some tools for getting organized and really creating a situation that's thriving and and leave survival mode, which we've been in for the last couple of months. Okay. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Okay, so is now the time for me to get that? So, like, we're two and a half months away from fall semester starting, hopefully. And um, is now the time for me to start going through this to prepare for that? Or do I watch this and do this class while I'm going through homeschooling? It's both, but honestly, I mean, you we've all got this beautiful situation where, like, it's past Memorial Day. Yep. Summer's about to start. Things yep. are, you know, things are we're kind of getting in the swing of, like, okay, we need to take a break. Let's catch our breath. But this is really a beautiful set of like eight to 10 weeks to go, okay, I'm going to invest in myself. Let me figure out the the research I need to do to set this up successfully. When I have a question, I just pose it inside the private community group in the the mentorship series and it it gets answered within 24 hours. So we give you tips, we give you tools, there are videos to watch and none of it, I mean, none of the videos is like an hour long. They're all like, you know, 12 to 15 minute videos. So it's super bite-sized. It's easy to understand. You can take notes along the way, you can pause the video and you watch them multiple times. You have access to it forever. So if you need to go back and rework through some of the material or you're like, what did she say about, you know, setting up a rhythm or establishing my routine or, you know, scheduling out my kids in a way that doesn't make me want to pull my hair out. You can go back and have full access to all those things. Ask any question you need to, and you have it for life. Okay, and one last question um, that just fell out of my brain. Hold on one second. <laughs> it's one of those days where I just forget things. Um, oh, so I am considering a lot of different charters right now, and they all offer kind of similar things. Are they all somewhat created equal? Or like what should be like my guiding force for the ones that seem very similar to me? That's a great question. So I think at least for us, I mean, we, we did a lot of research before we landed on the charter we chose, but at the end of the day, we chose because the, um, setup, the online setup for like using your enrichment funds for, you know, accessing their different field trips and, and, um, other enriching activities. It was just something that worked for our family best. It was easy to schedule those things. 
we the the real um, deciding factor for us was our homeschool teacher. So we we know her. Um, she's actually our neighbor down the street. So it's really easy to like check in with her, you know, get the things turned in that we need to get turned in, talk to her about lessons, get recommendations about curriculum. So for me, it was more about going, okay, even though I'm a trained teacher, I'm doing this for the first time. Let me get with uh, an HST, a homeschool teacher through our charter, who's really experienced, who's been working with a lot of parents, who's very knowledgeable, Mm -hmm. who can answer my questions about specific curriculum. You know, if my daughter's ahead or behind or at grade level or wherever she is for her unique learning situation and being able to process some of those things with a human being who can answer some of those questions. So that was what sort of put us on the path for a specific charter, the ease of of, um, scheduling enriching activities and our homeschool teacher is what what you know, segmented things for me. But I would say to any of the parents out there, just do your research, ask the people, again, find the people in your neighborhood, in your community who are already using some of these charters, if that's the way you're going to go and learn more, you know, approach it from a place of curiosity and say, okay, I'm trying to gain some wisdom, some understanding around how to choose the one that's right for me. What has been your experience? What have you liked? What have you not liked? And just take inventory of what these experiences have given these other moms. And you can sort of cross-pollinate something that's going to work for your specific family. So, I mean, it's a great time to do it now because, again, things are winding down. Summer's ramping up. People are more in a headspace of like, okay, I can breathe for a second. My kids are done with distance learning and we're looking forward to next year. This is a, this is a great time to get some of those questions answered. Right. And keep in mind, things are way more impacted right now. And so you may... If you do find a couple that you like, I'm getting on all of those wait lists because I'm not sure what's going to shake out. And it depends on the number of teachers they have in your area and things like that. So you may want to get on multiple wait lists right now if if that's the situation, um, if they seem all created equal to you. Uh, but there's definitely some that are more distinct than others. And again, it just has to do with the fit for your family. So um, yeah, that's so awesome. Okay, Erin, where can people find you if they want more information about your heroic homeschooling and just you in general? Because you're just a wealth of information. <laughs> oh, thanks. It's been so fun to be here. I could literally talk about this forever. Um, they can go to truthbecomesher.com slash homeschool. The mentorship series is there tells you all about it, all the videos, all the um, PDFs that are inside, just everything you get for like a supportive network of people who are going to help you navigate this time. So it's truthbecomesher.com slash homeschool. It's really easy to find. Perfect. Well, Erin, I always ask my guests just one final question, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? You're wrong about so many things. I don't think my pre-motherhood self would have listened to me or appreciated that comment at all, but um, maybe speaking to her in a very direct matter-of-fact kind of a way about gaining a different perspective would have been helpful. Um, yeah, I think back sometimes frequently uh, and and just wish I thought differently, but I am so grateful for my change in perspective and all the things I went through. Um, and, and being a mom is is the coolest thing in the world. I can't and I mean, there are a lot of things I've been able to experience that I didn't think I would get the chance to, but certainly being a mom and coming alongside this sweet little human being and having another one on the way, it's just, it's so, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you become a mom, like you never, you, that, that never, you, you're literally, your life changes and it, 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 like, it's never going to be the same. You're never going to go back to that pre-mom time. So yeah. it's funny to think about that. 
It really is. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Erin, for coming on today, for sharing your motherhood journey. Good luck having baby number two in August, and we'll definitely stay in touch, but I hope this really empowers a lot of parents to take control of their kids' education this fall. Me too, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so I don't know what you're doing with your state and what the guidelines are and what your plans are for education this fall, but I hope now you feel a little bit more equipped that if you're not satisfied with what you're seeing in your public schools and the regulations and whatnot, I live in California, and as of right now, the guidelines are super scary, and it's not something that I feel comfortable with. And so we're definitely exploring options like homeschool and charter schools and things like that. And to be honest, I'm really excited about so many opportunities that are available that I never would have explored if the pandemic hadn't prompted me to do so. So I know it'll all work out. I really am still crossing my fingers for traditional school because my kids love it and it's worked well for us in the past and I hope we can resume some sense of normalcy and socializing in the fall. But if not, I hope after this conversation with Aaron, you feel like you have a few more resources and a bit more information to make an educated decision for your kid's educational future. So like she said, she has that heroic homeschooling program. Check that out. I'm for sure going to check it out. I know that can help you to be a guide. And she's just so warm and welcoming and has so much expertise. So I'm sure she'd be happy to answer any additional questions you have. I'm linking everything at extraordinarymomspodcast.com. And if you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist 3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in today, everybody. And we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.